1: Helping you unwind after a long day of work.
2: I think he's kind of a boob. You can't really
0: take the day south as a person. You can't go out there and be a moron. It doesn't
1: work like right that. The Nightcap. We're eating you their food. On WGR Sports Radio 550.
2: Sorry, I had to get got a final thought in on, uh, on Twitter before I go on the air here. Something that I'll discuss tonight. Before I get into that, though, you know, it's funny how life works sometimes. I always get coffee before the show, always have a little bit, a little, little pep in my step before we get going, and usually I go with the mug. Open mug, just like a classic mug. The little handle on the end, the cup, whatever. Not too much. That way, you take an extra walk there, get your get your feet moving. Um, but for some reason today, I decided to go with the traveling mug. So I got I got the top on it. It's a little bit taller. And funny enough, I'm walking through the door to get to the studio here, from where the where the bistro is, where you make the coffee here, and I get bumped into enough so that. The travel mug is on its side, facing me. And because the top is on it, nothing happens. Beautiful invention it is. But any other day, any other day, that that would have happened, and I've got hot coffee all over me. So it's funny how how that kind of happened, how I'm sitting here not covered in hot coffee, getting ready to do the show. Instead, I'm sitting here nice and comfortable, ready to go. And appreciative of whoever invented the travel mug or the top, just the top in general, and any sort of uh, a drink or liquid. Someone had to invent it. So, the Bills played on Friday night. I got some thoughts on what happened in the game the position battles, receiver, running back, especially with the two positions we kind of focus on the most. Um, Also, what happened with Andrew Luck his retirement, his sudden retirement, like, where were you? that That's the type of thing. I, I get this way for sports moments. Like, I'll remember where I was for certain sporting events or for certain sports news. Like, I remember where I was when the Sabres traded for Jeff Skinner. I remember where I was when I found out that Briere and Drury were both leaving in 2007. And I remember where I was when the Bills signed Terrell Owens. Like, I remember where I was on a lot of that stuff. And I think Andrew Luck will register enough As a news item. For me to at least get that type of feeling. It was unbelievable seeing that. I found out via group chat. So I'm in a group chat with a bunch of guys who are in a fantasy football league. That we drafted on Friday. And I see on my phone. All caps. Andrew Luck. Wow. And I see some other people doing the same thing. Like wow. Wow. Like holy cow. Some other words I can't say on the air. And. I'm immediately thinking, all right, what must this be? IR? He's out for the season? Because that would be that, wouldn't it? Or even the idea of a trade kind of registered with me for a second. Because if you think back to not this past offseason, but the offseason before that, I don't remember what sparked it, but there was a little bit of conversation here at the station and kind of in the football world. Like, hey, would you trade for Andrew Luck? Like, would you do this? I think it actually, I remember now, it was born in the fact that the Colts had the second overall pick and luck was coming off a season of injury and that they were 29, and that he was 28, going to be 29 years old. And what's funny is you look back at that now, and I remember thinking if I'm the Colts, I'm not trading luck, but I'm drafting a guy here. It's just sheer value. If I'm not getting the value I want, which I think they ultimately did, but if I'm not getting the value I want, I'm taking the quarterback because I can do something. I can either trade luck and get a ton for him, or I can trade the new kid and get something for him when I feel like I got the package I really want. You don't take a guard second overall and pass on that type of value. If, even if it's not ideal for your current roster, you hold on to it and you do something with it. So I was on board with. I think they should draft a quarterback here. Not that they should trade Luck, but some people were like, "All right, maybe that would be a thing they do. They draft Darnold second overall. You trade Andrew Luck." In hindsight, it's twenty twenty, but I'm sure the Colts really wish they did that right now. I'm sure the Colts thought, in the back of their minds, in this past weekend, that Luck had come to them a lot sooner with these type of thoughts, because if they had. Last draft, when they had the opportunity to land a franchise quarterback, maybe they'd have Josh Allen right now. Maybe they'd have Sam Darnold. But this is kind of how football works. Players' decisions, especially at the quarterback position, can drastically change the, the, the look of the league. Like Kirk Cousins this happened with. Kirk Cousins got offered $30 million by the New York Jets a year. And he turned it down. More money than he was being given by Minnesota, and it was still guaranteed. And he turned down the Jets. Now, would they have still drafted a quarterback? I think probably not. You sign a quarterback to a three-year fully guaranteed contract. You're expecting him to be there for at least all three years, even in Minnesota. Year one didn't go so great with Cousins, but he's there. He's safe. Maybe, if Cousins says yes to the Jets, in fact, likely... They are not taking Sam Darnold third. They are not trading up to the Colts spot at third. And then, who knows, maybe the Bills slide into that spot. Maybe somebody else slides into that spot. And maybe the Bills have Sam Darnold instead of Josh Allen. And maybe the Dolphins have Josh Allen. Like, all this stuff could have changed. Like, ten different things could be different if Kirk Cousins had just said yes to the Jets instead of to the Vikings. And with luck now, it's the timing. But You see that if this had happened a year and a half ago, two years ago, the Colts would be sitting here pretty with a nice young quarterback right now. And I kind of like Jacoby Brissett, but he's certainly not on the level prospect-wise as Darnold or Josh Allen are. Certainly not. So I kind of feel for Colts fans, even the ones who booed, I don't think them booing is right at all. Because it's right to be unhappy with the situation. It's not right to be unhappy with the man. The man has suffered how many injuries in the past four year, four years? How many rehabs? And not everybody's built the same way. Some guys will take pride after their career. Like, oh, look at all the injuries I battled through. And to their credit, you're a tough, you know what, if you're able to go through some of the injuries that you go through in the NFL and continue playing. But not everybody's built like that. And Andrew Luck's a smart guy. He went to Stanford. You see what his father's doing? Oliver Luck in the XFL. Like He's a smart guy. He's involved in football. He's entrusted to run a league. He was entrusted in a high-up position before that in college football. So, to me, he's a smart guy. He's dealt with all of this stuff. He's 29 years old. He's made money. Yes, he's leaving a lot of money on the table. But was it wrong for those fans to vote or to boo? Here's what Jerry Hughes had to say on that earlier today at One Bills Live. I was honestly shocked to see that they were booing him. I mean, here's a guy who laid his body on the line for seven years, always had that team, that organization, in AFC South winning conditions. They were certainly always a first-rounder for the uh, playoffs. And so, I mean, out of all the accolades for all those sacrifices, I would have loved to see them celebrate him a, a little bit more. I mean, he's a young guy, not even 31 years old, and he sacrificed so much and put his body through so much for the team, for the organization and for the fans to kind of greet him like that, it certainly was uh, disheartening. Jacoby Brissett had similar words to that effect, like, yeah, it sucked that fans were booing. And I think it was just a product of the situation, though. It was fresh. The news was fresh. It had just happened. And how are fans going to show their anguish and their their frustration with that news? Imagine that you're the Bills. And we've been looking... It's a little bit different in the in context because the Colts had Peyton Manning before and the Bills have had nothing before. But imagine that Josh Allen becomes a superstar quarterback. Like, not quite the best quarterback in the league, but what's Andrew Luck Ben? Like, right there. He's right there. He's not quite to Rodgers and Brady level or Breeze even, but he's right on the doorstep. And really, you could argue that His ascension past that hasn't come because, really, for the majority of his career, his roster has stunk. He's been carrying a carcass of a defense and an offensive line through season after season after season. And that can get tiring. That guy calls it quits. What if Josh Allen is tremendous? He's throwing for 5,000 yards. He's throwing for 30-plus touchdowns. The Bills are going to the playoffs every time he's healthy. And he calls it quits at 29. You did all that you did to get him. You got as lucky as you could get. Because you need a little bit of luck to land a franchise quarterback. You could scout as much as possible. But you need to get a little lucky. So you get lucky there. You go through all the trials and tribulations to get him signed. You, you get him locked up long term. It's like, we got our guy. And halfway through, he calls it Quits. You better believe Bills fans would do the same thing in that same situation with the news being that fresh. I want to kind of point that out because I think that's the biggest reason that that happened that way. I think if Andrew Luck is not on the field there, or really if he gets to release the news the way he wanted to do so in a press conference on his own without it being reported on Twitter before, then I think the next time that he probably is greeted with Colts fans, he's getting a completely different reaction than the booing. At the time of the booing, how much did they really know? Because I'll be honest, until Luck spoke... I don't think we fully knew what was motivating this decision. We kind of knew. We knew he's dealt with injuries, but I don't think you could look into his life and know what had been going on with him. And he kind of let you in during the press conference when he announced this. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that came after he was booed by the fans. That doesn't make it right, but I think that's why it happened. It was fresh, and the fans really didn't fully grasp the motivations behind the decision. At the time, it's a guy walking by that just quit on your team. And I bet looking back, they're going to really regret booing him. Because you cannot tell me that you watch, if you're a cult fan, if you're not, whatever, whatever you are, former teammate, a fan of another team, you can't watch that press conference and tell me you would still boo that guy. You can't watch that press conference and tell me that was not the hardest decision he's ever made. Tearing up in front of everybody. If you listen to Andrew Luck speak, I think he's hilarious when you listen to him talk over the years. Because he is... He's he's kind of funny. He's kind of awkward. He's so awkward that he's charming sometimes. But he's always so... Football-oriented. Like I remember one time he was asked a question on his birthday, like, what do he wanted more than anything for his birthday? And his answer, in, a, in his kind of awkward, charming way, was, I just want a good practice. But not even in, like, player-speak kind of way. Like, he legitimately sounded like that's all he wanted. That guy, who has l- grown up in football, played at the highest level of football, football's given him everything. And... It crushed him. It crushed him mentally. It crushed him physically. And then, at the end, the fans, I mean, you, you heard him. His heart was broken by that. So his heart was broken by the fans. His body was broken by the game. And his mentality was broken by the game. Football broke Andrew Luck. So that'll bring up a lot of discussions on the future of the game and career longevity. You just had Rob Gronkowski retire before in the offseason. You've got prominent players now that are walking away, and that's not completely new. That has happened. But now it's starting to really feel like whenever it happens, it's happening because of the injury concerns and the long-term injury concerns. Andrew Luck wants to enjoy his life. He doesn't want to be hobbled by the age of 40. He doesn't want to be dealing with with brain issues in his 40s and 50s. And later on. Now, he also, I will say this. He gets the added advantage of being a star quarterback. So the money is a lot different than a lot of other positions. Some guys don't have a choice. Some guys have to make a living playing football. And they have to play as long as they can play. Sometimes that's just got to happen. Luck I'd have to figure he doesn't have to do that at this point in his career. So he, he had the opportunity, not that he wasn't, I think, courageous in making this decision. I don't think it was easy at all. I think you needed some courage to make this decision. But he's afforded that decision not just because of how good he was in making the money he did, but because he's seemingly a very smart guy because he went to Stanford, and he'll have a ton of opportunities because of the type of player he was and how good he was. He could be a broadcaster, I'm sure, if he wants to. And not everybody gets that opportunity. It's tough to get that, and he might be able to do it. So I understand the decision. I think it's completely wrong those fans booed, while I also kind of understand why it happened. I would under- I understand more what happened today at the Colts season ticket office. If you didn't even hear this story, Colts fans calling and demanding a refund on their season tickets. For a team, by the way, that's been a little shady in the past. So it's not like they should really get away with everything here. A team that had Super Bowl aspirations, I thought, was going to be in the Super Bowl. I thought they were the best team in the AFC with a healthy Andrew Luck. Now, like I said, I like Brissett, I like him. But he is nowhere near as good as Andrew Luck is. And that's a major difference. So what will they be? They'll be better. But... Are they going to be a Super Bowl team? Colts fans have a right to be a little mad at the team. Or a little mad at the situation. Not really mad at the team, but just mad and frustrated at the situation. Because you get the generational quarterback like that. We always use his name for stuff, right? Whenever someone's coming into the draft, he's the Andrew Luck of this. He's the Andrew Luck of that. He's the Andrew Luck of this draft. In other words, saying he's the sure thing. They got the sure thing. Arguably the best quarterback prospect since John Elway. They got that. They landed it. And before he turns 30, it's over. And before he turns 30, not only is it over, but all you've got is one AFC East appearance, uh, sorry, AFC Championship appearance to show for it. No Super Bowls, no Super Bowl appearances, only a couple of division titles, they don't have a lot to show for the Andrew era, So in that way, I get it. But they took it a step too far, the fans did, with the booing. Now, this leaves what the Colts become. Now, even thinking about the Bills a little bit for this. To me, I was thinking the path for the Bills to make the playoffs was incredibly hard, not just because you can't get New England until we see it. You can't catch them. Well, the AFC West is going to have two teams. The Chiefs and Chargers are going to make the playoffs. Okay, now I'm battling with for one spot. And it was always incredibly difficult for me to see the Bills being better than three AFC South teams. Mainly because I really like the Colts. And I really like the Texans, as a lot of people do. Both had special quarterbacks. Both have a lot of talent on defense. Both have really talented wide receivers. The Colts have a great offensive line. The Texans don't. That's probably where the difference was. But both really good teams. That it was hard for me to see being better, the Bills being better than. Now, what you've got is I think the Texans are the clear favorite in the AFC South. And the Colts slide back a little bit into kind of that Bills territory. Like, yeah, they could be good. If they made the playoffs, it would not surprise me. This is not the Colts from two years ago when Brissett started last. Brissett in his second year. He was okay. He wasn't that good. He was okay. No offensive line to speak of. Frank Gore is your bell cow starting running back. Frank Gore, I think, is good. But little old, not very versatile. He's your starting running back, your best bell cow running back. You'd want to do better than that. So not great there. T.Y. Hilton is your only real true pass catching threat. Not a defense to, to really ride home about. Whereas now, you got a bunch of young backs. You've got T. Y. Hilton, but you have added Devin Funches, who's at least some kind of good. You have Paris Campbell, who I thought was one of the best receivers coming to the draft. You have two athletic tight ends and Jack Doyle and J- Eric Ebron. You have a very good offensive line with an all-pro in Quentin Nelson. You have a, at least average defense, two above-average defense, and your middle linebacker in his first year was also an all-pro. You have all of that working for you, which is a lot different than two years ago. So I think they're going to be good. I think they'll be pretty good. Eight and eight, nine and seven, kind of about where I think the bills are going to be. But that's different. Because before, last week, I would have told you that's an 11-5, and 12-4 football team, and they're definitely making the playoffs. Now, they don't exist in that way. So that's kind of what I think of the Colts right now. I like them. I think they're pretty good. It would not surprise me if they surpass expectations and be a playoff team now that luck is gone. But they are now a team that I think the Bills can certainly be better than, and I wouldn't be shocked. Because last week, it would have stunned me if the Bills were better than the Colts in 2019. Now, I think it's completely realistic. I I wouldn't probably even pick them to do it. I might even pick them to do it. Because not only are they pretty close, I think, talent-wise, we'll see what what type of gap there is between a Josh Allen and Jacoby Brissett type of comparison, but you've also got the Bills get two games against Miami and two games against the Jets – who, iffy. Like, they could be good, but they're still iffy. Miami's going to be terrible. Whereas, and then you, of course, you got two games against New England. So I got two games I should win in the division. And maybe two more, at least one more. So three games, I should at least be 500 in the division. Indy, I don't know. I like that division. Houston is really good. Jacksonville, I think, is primed to bounce back. I think they're better than the Jets. I think they're a really good team. And the Titans are not my favorite, but they're no slouch. You know, it might be in the division. The Colts could be a decent team and go 1 and 5 in that division. So that that's another aspect of where the difference may lie between the Bills and where I think the Colts are now post Andrew Luck. But overall again, I just I don't know how I'm not hearing a lot of people doing it other than Doug Gottlieb who it just blows my mind that you could think that way, but And to me, I can't even, if you didn't read Doug Gottlieb's tweet, he basically said that rehabbing was too hard is the most millennial thing ever. And, I don't know. Speaking as a millennial, it's just something you roll your eyes at. And I'm not even sure he believes it. I wonder because of who Doug Gottlieb has become and what FS1 kind of is. Just getting attention. Just trying to get attention. I don't know. That's that's kind of what I think might be happening there. But completely disrespectful, I thought that was. So other than him, I'm not really hearing a lot of people blasting Andrew Luck for this. But to me, I don't really understand you if you, th- if you think that he made some disloyal decision here and that he deserved to be booed or anything like that. I, I don't get it. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. I'm going to transition to the Bills after the break. So, a couple of things I want to get into. Their status at wide receiver. There were a couple of incredibly interesting things that the Bills did at receiver on Friday that has me thinking a completely different way about who they keep. Also, the Texans. They lost their starting running back for the season on Friday. And that is what... I've been rooting for it. That's what I've been waiting for. That's what I've been waiting for. Let's now really see what the Bills really want to do at running back. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. We'll get into that next here on WGR.
1: Well, they clearly came out to work on the run game. I'm assuming that that was what they wanted to do in that game. They ran multiple run game concepts that are both one back and two back. They played McCoy, they played Gore. You know, I love Gore's 27 yarder because I love that concept. That was a wham concept. And and the rookie tight end, Dawson Knox, made a, a really good block on the penetrating three technique defensive tackle. The other thing that stood out to me on that block, on that run, and I think this is critical when you're trying to make the team,
2: Greg Cosell on One Bills Live earlier today. You can find that on demand at WGR550.com. We'll hear some more of that later. Um, He's talking about the running back position there, and as it stands, if you watch the preseason game on uh, Friday night, it looked like all of them looked good, right? All of them. McCoy looked good. Gore looked good. Singletary only got one snap, but he looked as good as you could on that one snap. Uh, Yeldon even looked good, catching the football. Hell, Marcus Murphy looked pretty good. There's a lot of reason to be optimistic about the Bills running backs. But, what has the whole point of the conversation... There's been so much conversation about the Bills running backs this offseason. What's been the point of it? Most of it has been... You've got so many of them that you can think would be productive. That's where it's all born. Now, part of it, of course, is can McCoy bounce back? Is Gore's age finally going to catch up with him? But that's not the whole story. If they're good, you still have a surplus of running backs. In fact, you especially have a surplus of running backs if you, th- if you think they're good. Right now. Do I need four running backs that are all good? Because the answer to that question is no. It's a nice luxury to have. But in today's NFL, even committees aren't four deep. They're two or three. And here's an opportunity. And let's see if the Bills want to take advantage. If they even can. All offseason... It's been tough to really dial in on a McCoy trade because there's, in my mind, only been one realistic landing spot for him, and that's Tampa. Tampa has Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. Not a lot to to ride home about. Peyton Barber is kind of a journeyman guy, and Ronald Jones has been one of the more disappointing draft picks of last season. Second round pick, he's done almost nothing. It hasn't looked like he's going to do anything. They could use a McCoy. Now, here's Houston. Houston loses Lamar Miller to a torn ACL on Friday night or Saturday night. Super tough news for him. Especially for him because he's like 28 years old, running backs. So like, this might be the end of his career. And they traded for Duke Johnson, who has been incredibly healthy throughout his career, although he's dealt with some soft tissue injuries but played through them. He's now basically their only respectable running back on the roster. They just traded for him. And if you know anything about Duke Johnson, I think he's a good running back, but he's a lot better in the pass game than he is in the run game, and I don't think they're going to want to see him worn down by being a bell cow three-down running back. It doesn't make any sense. So yes, they just traded for him. Yes, they just acquired him. Yes, I think they would be comfortable with him being their starting running back, but they need another guy because if you look past Duke Johnson on the Texans' depth chart at running back, there's nothing there. It's practice squad guys, and it's Tywan Jones, who I think we know here from Buffalo is just kind of a special team guy. That's what they have. They're going to sign somebody or they're going to trade for somebody. It's going to happen. Do the Bills want to be the team it happens with? Because I would certainly argue after Friday night, Singletary's not going anywhere. Take out one of those other three backs, and you still have a very good backfield, or you at least have a backfield that I think I'm comfortable with going into the season. Take them, any of them out. Take McCoy out. All right, Gore's going to open as the starter. He's going to split with with uh, Singletary on first and second downs, and Yeldon's going to be my pass catching back. All right, fine. Take Gore out. Same thing, but with McCoy, and McCoy's going to be the lead of a committee, Singletary will get his touches on first and second down, and Yeldon will be the pass catching back. All right, take Yeldon out, it still makes sense. Gore and McCoy will split it, and maybe Singletary gets his touches now through the passing game, which he's shown to be able to do in both the preseason and training camp. You've got three veteran running backs that Houston should be interested in. What you get for them, I don't know. Maybe it's not that much. Maybe if you were to trade Yeldon to the Texans, it's for a 6th round pick or a 5th round pick. If it's McCoy, maybe it's a 4th. If it's Gore, maybe it's a 6th. I don't know. But I just don't see the point in having all four. That's the conversation. Now, you really have an open door to a team That needs one of them. That should really be reason to hold some leverage over them. At least a little. You can expand that conversation too. Another thing that's come out of Houston in the last week. They are down to their starting left tackle being Roderick Johnson. You don't know who Roderick Johnson is. Fair enough. He was a fifth round pick from last year. That was inactive for 15 of their 16 games. Project. He is going to start on Deshaun Watson's blind side if nothing changes. They need a left tackle. And I think luck in his retirement could factor into this as well. If I'm the Houston Texans, if I'm Bill O'Brien, who is seemingly running the whole show there. If I'm Bill O'Brien, the... The window is wide open for me to be the king of that division, to win now. I've got the quarterback on the rookie contract. I've got a great wide receiver core. I've got some great talent on defense, even if you don't include Jadavian Clowney. I've got a good defense. Time to win. And now, the best player in the division that's not on my team is gone. The Colts, who suddenly everyone was picking to win this division, I'm now the favorite. Win-now mode, right? We always talk about win-now mode. The Texans are in certain win-now mode. This could be your opportunity to kind of get them onto if they need a tackle, if they want a tackle, I would understand why they want a tackle. They don't want this guy, I don't think, starting on Watson's blind side. You're not getting Dawkins. Fair enough. I kind of was open to the idea of trading Dawkins for Clowney straight up. I was never fully in on that, and I've kind of backed off it since, kind of seeing what he's done in the preseason, thinking about Insecchi's injury and the injuries on the offensive line. Like, they're in a different spot than I thought they were. But, I still really want to see this team get Clowney. I really do. Just at the end of the day, I think he is perfect for what the Bills need on defense. I think he's the last piece of the puzzle on the defensive side of the football, and I think because of what Houston would be looking for. I can trade away two guys from two positions that I would think the Bills have a surplus of to get him. I don't know if this would get it done. You'd probably have to throw in a draft pick or two. Maybe you wouldn't, though, because he's a rental in some way. in some way, You could franchise tag him, but he's kind of a rental. Would Ty Seke and LaShawn McCoy be enough? Would Nseke and Yeldon be enough? Or Gore? They're not getting Singletary. Probably not Gore. But would Yeldon or McCoy be enough? Especially McCoy. And I think it makes sense for Houston. Maybe this is my bias and just wanting it to happen that I'm saying that. But I think it makes sense. It fills their two needs. Their two biggest needs on their team. I'm going to give you... And I'm going to take the guy who's not even shown up to your camp. Who might not even play for you. I'm taking him. Ty and Seki becomes their starting left tackle. Which, by the way, he's a lot better at. We had a guy on from uh, covering the Redskins a few weeks back. And, and the Profile Focus guys. like Everybody kind of knows that Ty and in his career has been better on the left side than the right side. And for the Bills' sake, he's probably going to play the right side if he plays. And... I don't know, man. You see Cody Ford on that Singletary touchdown run? The dude's a beast. So, am I fine with him starting a right tackle? Because I think I might be. If I trade him, Houston gets that. If I trade them, McCoy. They're perfect. That's exactly what they want. McCoy can be the first and second down back. McCoy can be kind of the guy that takes away some of the workload so that Duke Johnson can last through the season. Duke Johnson can be the pass-catching guy. For Houston, it does make sense. Long-term, not maybe, or maybe it doesn't. But on the short-term, I think it totally makes sense for them. They are in win-now mode. That's a win-now type of trade. And for the Bills, as I've said many times, I like the idea of signing Clowney or getting Clowney. He is not elite, but he is very good. And he's got the athletic ability to be elite. He possesses that type of ability. He would instantly be their best player on the defensive line. And then, trade trade Shaq Lawson. Trade Trent Murphy. Probably not Trent Murphy. Trade Shaq Lawson. You want some more offensive line depth? I'm sure you can go find a competent swing tackle for Shaq Lawson. You should be able to do that. I'm not too worried about finding that. I can find that. They just did it. They just signed Titan Inseki as a cheap free agent. They got Dawkins in the second round. They got Cody Ford in the second round. They haven't spent a lot on their offensive line. They've been able to find the guys. So just find one more. You can't just find a Jadavian Clowney. And at at the end of the day, I'm almost always going to be for an idea where you're trading two 30-plus-year-old players and you're getting a guy at 27 in the prime of his career. Always going to be for that idea. So, how much... Does Houston really make sense? To me, they make a ton of sense. A ton of sense. It can be a smaller trade. It can be one of the Bills' running backs for a pick. Or it could be a much larger type of deal. Maybe it would include Clowney. And John McClain, who covered the Houston Chronicle, covers the Texans, one of the more esteemed writers in the business. He said on radio in Houston on Saturday, quote, I believe the Texans have a deal for a left tackle. It's just waiting on Clowney to sign his tender. I wouldn't guess that that's the Bills. If I had to guess, that's Washington with Trent Williams. Despite their efforts to say they're not trading him, I would guess that that's that deal. But, I wonder if things have changed since Lamar Miller got injured. Because if the Bills could now kind of snake their way into that deal and one-up that team because they have something that that team doesn't have and that's a plethora of running backs that you can give away. That's your advantage. That's where you take advantage of getting a player in his prime for two 30-plus-year-old players. And like I said, maybe you'd have to throw in a draft pick, but I'm not sure you'd even have to do that because he's only got one year left in his deal. So what do you think? Does it make sense to trade right now with the Houston Texans? Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. I will uh, get into the receiver position when we uh, when we come back in the top of the hour. McKenzie, Duke Williams, seemingly doing very well for themselves and their pro- their probability of making this roster. But if they make the ro- this roster, someone's not gonna someone that you wouldn't expect to be cut or traded is gonna be gone. And who would that
1: be? It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR.
2: All right, we just got a little segment here before I get to the top of the hour, and I dive full into the Bills at wide receiver. Breaking Bad fans. Were you not going crazy this weekend? A trailer released for El Camino. El Camino, which will be a Netflix film. A Breaking Bad movie, and in this trailer, for you Breaking Bad nuts out there, which I am one, seen it five times through. I'm currently watching it in reverse because I got bored of watching it through again, so I'm watching it in reverse, still in season five. It goes a little bit slower when you do that because there's not really that binge uh, watch feeling to it. Usually it's like, "Oh, I got to see what happens in the next episode," even though I already know what happens in the next episode. But in this case, I just watched that episode, so I'm going to I'm going to stop a lot easier. So that's that. In this trailer, Skinny Pete is talking about where Jesse Pinkman is. So, I'm assuming El Camino by the way, which is the the car he drove away in in the finale. It's going to be about where Jesse is. So I'd assume he's in it. We know skinny pizza and we see him in the trailer Badger I would assume is going to be in it. I would argue that there's a at least it might be remote but there's a there's a possibility that we see a living Walter White in this in this movie now there's a conspiracy theory out there on the interwebs that Walter White survived the finale. you can watch it? You literally just search it on YouTube, you'll find the video I'm talking about. There is good reason to believe he's not dead. Maybe not good reason. There's a reason. It's it's definitely not good, but there's a reason. And the conspiracy theory part of me wants that to be so. So we'll see, but I think that's coming out in October or November. It's coming out in the fall and I am incredibly pumped for it as a Die Hard, Breaking Bad fan. I think it's the best show ever made, and I'm pumped. So, if you haven't seen it and you were a big Breaking Bad fan, I would suggest watching the trailer because it'll get you juiced up for this thing that's coming. All right, we'll take a time out here. We'll hear from Greg Cosell in the second hour, and before that, I want to get to how I see the Bills at receiver and what I would do with it because I think what I would do with the with the receivers, they're not going to. I'll explain more after the break. It's the nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR.
1: Enjoy a tall, cool, dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or, I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR. Sports Radio 550.
2: Welp. Back here on the nightcap, Jody Biasi here on WGR eight hundred three hundred five fifty is the number if you want to get involved. I am currently in the midst of a fantasy draft online while on the air here, so we're gonna see how this goes. Like pecking for a while, so we'll see. Other WGR personalities are in it, such as Derek Kramer and uh, Nate Geary, and Derek goes Elvin Kamara first overall over Saquon Barkley. I must say. I am a huge Alvin Kamara guy this year. I have him second over Christian McCaffrey. I had him second over Ezekiel Elliott before his holdout started. I don't have him first. So, interesting pick. I wouldn't have done it, but I don't hate it because Kamara, I think, is ready to explode this year, even more so maybe than he's already done. But Barkley's a freak talent. For redraft, that is. If a dynasty, Barkley should be an absolute no brainer number one. But it's a lot closer for redraft, and that's what this is. So, That's going on, and uh, the Bills and receiver, I want to get into that here. So, Friday night, if you watch the game, you may have noticed a couple of things that I noticed. You definitely noticed, I think, that Zay Jones was in the game in the second half. One thing that's interesting. Another thing that's interesting is Robert Foster playing special teams. Robert Foster playing special teams. He was in as a gunner, and he was in on kickoff. Both of those things are interesting because I think both of those guys who you would have began training camp thinking were near locks to be on the team, if not locks, I think it's now right to wonder if they could be moved on from. And that comes because there are players at the position behind them that are Pushing them to that spot, Duke Williams has been great in the last two preseason games. He has showed a lot of capability as a receiver. He has showed to be able enough to get open while also having that catch frame, that big catch radius to go. The touchdown he caught was still amazing. That he was that much higher than the corner on the play. He's also done a lot blocking. If you watch the the big Frank Gore run with the dirty hit at the end, we were all focusing on the brawl that was happening afterwards. The mini, not really brawl, but you know what I mean. Whereas, at the beginning of the play, Duke Williams makes the block that opens up that run, and there were a lot of other videos I've seen of him blocking in this preseason that makes me think he's very good at that. You would think he's pretty good at it because he's big and physical, but it looks like he is really good at that. And he provides the Bills something they don't otherwise have in a big physical receiver. I don't want my receiving core to be made made up of those guys, but one I think is certainly okay, and in this guy, I think it would do the trick. Isaiah McKenzie. He played one snap and scored a touchdown. Last week... He played one snap and caught a 37-yard pass. This guy just makes plays. Not just in the preseason. He was doing it last year. And the Bills brought in two guys to take his role away. They brought in Andre Roberts to take the returning away. They brought in Cole Beasley to take his slot spot away. Fine. I'm, not gonna definitely, I'm definitely not going to criticize them for making the Cole Beasley signing. I think he's the second-best receiver on the team. No, no doubt about it. Maybe first. Whereas... McKenzie, or were Roberts, I should say. I don't think he needs to be here. So, someone, I, I kind of ranked the receivers in terms of how I would want them. Like, who I would want to keep. If I'm keeping six, if the Bills told me I am keeping six guys, you know who I'm keeping? Obviously, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Robert Foster. I'm keeping Zay Jones unless I can find a trade for him because I don't see him having a big role in this team right now. I'm keeping McKenzie, and I'm keeping Duke Williams. That's my six. Someone pointed out, Roberts is here because he is a return specialist, and he's damn good at it. Fair enough. I want to get to a point with this team, and they were at this point, but I want them to be in a, a place where the guy returning kicks for me is not a return specialist that also plays wide receiver. I want a wide receiver that can return kicks. That's the future of the league. Versatility and having almost anyone that can do that. I don't want to have to commit a roster spot to a a, a strict returner. Now, Listening to Sal and hearing how the reps have gone and seeing what's happened in preseason, it looks like to me that they want to use Roberts at receiver, not just at return, to return kicks. And to me, I think that might just be a product of knowing he's on the team and seeing what he can do with that position. I can't begin to think he's the third or fourth best receiver on this team. I can't. The guy hasn't played it in years. He's been in the league because of his return abilities. I've compared him to Mike Tolbert, and that Tolbert stayed in the league by switching to fullback, and the Bills wanted to switch him back. And then they quickly realized, oh, there was a reason he was a fullback, because he's not fast at all, and he can't really run anymore. Roberts, if they try to play him at receiver in any significant way, I think they're going to quickly realize why he's been in the league as a returner and not as a wide receiver. Now, that being said, I think you've got a lot of other receivers on this team that can be productive. I want to see Duke Williams on this team. I, From the beginning, I've said I wanted to see Isaiah McKenzie in this team. Robert Foster, I think, deserves a spot just because of what he put on, on the field last year at the end of the year. I don't think Zay Jones needs to be here. He's kind of an in-betweener, right? Like... He's kind of an in-betweener. He's not quite big enough and physical enough to be that big body receiver like Duke Williams. He's not quite quick enough and fast enough to be that deep vertical threat like John Brown and Robert Foster are. He's kind of an in-betweener. I'm not saying he's really bad at anything. I would say he's bad with his hands. I think he drops a a lot. But I think he's just kind of eh. And maybe he could be a throw into a, a trade with Houston. They have a lot of injuries at receivers. Will Fuller has been a walking injury in his career. I think he's really good, but he's always injured. Kiki Cootie is a good slot receiver for them, injured already. So they could be a team that we might want to throw that and see that happen. But I think you could be able to trade him, and it's kind of the same thing with the running back position for me. It's not, oh, I just don't want McCoy. I hate McCoy. I don't want him on this team, uh, hater, whatever. No, it's just I like the other guys, and I think that if you can maximize value with him, I'm I, kind of in the same place with how good your running backs are whether he's here or not and that's kind of the position I'm in with Zay Jones I think they have a good but not great wide receiver core I don't think that changes at all if they trade Zay Jones if they traded if they cut him tomorrow I would still tell you they had a good wide receiver core I wouldn't tell you they had a bad one and if he stayed I wouldn't tell you they had a great one so if he's not giving much of an impact, if he's the difference between him and McKenzie and the difference between him and Duke Williams is not that great, then really, what am I doing? Why can't I capitalize on the value? And maybe Duke Williams is the guy that's really pushing that forward. Here is what Greg Cosell of, uh, of uh, NFL Films said on him earlier today, Duke Williams.
1: Williams, the wide receiver really did a nice job there on blocking the filling safety dig. So, you know, that's the kind of thing. We know what Williams has done as a receiver, and I think he's made a pretty good case for making the team as a receiver. But when you see a block like that on a run play, and it's a necessary block because of the filling safety to the play side, I think that really helps your cause. There's
2: Greg Cosell on Duke Williams, and I think that's right, and I think that's kind of the place I'd like to see the Bills go. I'd like to see them keep him, a guy with some upside, a guy that was a second-round prospect before he got into some off-the-field troubles at Auburn, a guy that led the league in the CFL in receiving. Let's see what he's got. We know what Zay Jones has. I'm not saying he's terrible, but he was the worst wide receiver in football that had over 100 targets. He has a, he had a 54% catch radius last year. Was he the best receiver on the team? Yeah, he was probably the best receiver on the team last year. But don't confuse best receiver on the team with good. Because I don't think he was good, that la- good last year. 54% of your targets is not good. He is shown to be incapable of making tough catches through two years. And I don't see the athletic ability, I don't see the size, I don't see the traits that show you the type of player that could develop into a great wide receiver. Even Foster has that because of his speed. I just don't see that out of Zay. So if he's on the field for me, fine. I think you could do a lot worse. But I don't really need him on the field. So if somebody's got to go, I'm kind of leaning towards him. Foster presents some upside. Brown and Beasley are good. Like, you know they're good. McKenzie I think is good too To be like, I think he is Every time the guy has the ball He does something Even that little reverse play That they score a touchdown on Which by the way they ran a bunch last year That was no walk-in touchdown He had to make the corner miss He had to go inside by the way To make the corner miss And then make sure he got into the end zone With the safety and linebacker there Like he did some work to get in there And if they cut him or they cut Duke Williams over a guy like Zay Jones who doesn't present the same type of upside, I'm not going to be real upset about it, but it's just not what I would do. So that's how I see the Bills receiving core kind of shaping up. And maybe one more point here on Duke Williams and him being a physical type of presence in the passing game. It would be a little different for me if you told me I had a tight end that I could count on to provide that. A guy that when you get down in the red zone, I'm going to the tight end. A Travis Kelsey, a Gronkowski, a Zach Ertz. Like even a much, much lesser version of that. Like Trey Burton, Vance McDonald. Like guys that are, like, they're good tight ends in the league. They're not superstars. If you told me I had that, then maybe it'd be a little bit different. But when I get down in the red zone, I don't know that I can count on Tyler Croft right now. In fact, I know I can't do it right now because he's injured. I don't know that I can really count on Tommy Sweeney's 7th round pick. I don't know that I can count on Dawson Knox, a 3rd round pick rookie. Lee Smith, I think I should know I'm not looking his way when I get in the red zone. I don't have that type of player at that position. I do have it right now at receiver, but it's only with Duke Williams. And do I want to... I want speed, I want separation, but... It doesn't completely need to be taken away, the size and the physical ability. You can have one guy like that, and I wonder if the Bills are thinking the same way. If they're thinking, if they get down to cut day, and Duke Williams is in a tie, like they can't decide between Duke Williams and one other guy. I wonder if they'd keep him just on that premise, that he is giving me something I don't have. That's, to me, his path to making the roster, coupled with how good he's been, in the preseason, especially in the last two games. You didn't really see him much in the first game. But the last two games, he's come on strong. And even when you've got some first-team reps, I think that's promising, and I'd like to see him on this team. 803-0550 is the phone number. What do you think about that? The Bills, receiver, and a running back. In fact, let me get into that here a little bit before we hit a break. Because if it does come to pass where... This is what they are running back going into the season. If they keep five, which is realistic, I think, at this point, I would just urge the Bills, want to urge them, don't make Singletary inactive. Don't do it. A third-round guy who has shown the type of promise he has, I think it would be easy. It would be an easy route. To say, we're going to go with the veteran guys. We're going to teach the kid. We're going to get him more comfortable. Like They can easily sell, I think, to their players and to everybody why he wouldn't be on the field. A lot more easier than it would be to sit a veteran like that when they're either getting their money or they have the respect around the locker room. Like That's tougher. But who's the best player on the field? And I can't see a scenario where... If Devin Singletary is looking like he has looked so far, that he is not one of those guys. So, yeah, Yeldon looked good, but he had his fumbling issue in the first game. Yeah, McCoy looked good, but he didn't look so great last year. Frank Gore looked good, but he's 36 years old. To me, it's the same conversation over and over. I get it. It's four running backs that you all have. It's a good problem to have at the end of the day, by the way. It's a good problem that the Bills have four running backs But they can't all eat. And I'm continuing to imagine a scenario that's going to play out in front of us where the rookie is the one that kind of gets left behind to start the year. And I don't think that needs to happen. In fact, he's the guy with the upside. He's the guy with the upside. So why wouldn't he be the one that's at least getting the change of pace role? as opposed to a veteran like Gore or Yeldon. And Gore by the way, real quick. Man, that guy's tough. Like that hit he take he took, if you saw what happened to Lamar Miller, it was almost an identical play. It was almost an identical hit. It wasn't Lamar Miller's wasn't late. By the way, super cool Josh Allen was getting in that guy's face after the play. But the it was a difference. Or there wasn't much of a difference between the two hits, and Miller with a torn ACL, like that sucks for him. But Frank Gore, man, like that—that's got to be, you know, that's part of the reason why he's still going at 36, and he still looks—he still looked pretty fluid. Like he was as fast there as I've ever seen him. He's never been a speedster, but I would tell you right now, maybe that's the trick to uh, to aging for Frank Gore. He was his. Fe- he wasn't. He was like thirty six year old fast at twenty nine. So now that we see him at thirty six, we still think, "Oh, look at this guy! He's still going the same way he was seven years ago." He was never fast to begin with, but he looked like he had some juice. And he takes the same hit. He's a little banged up. He leaves. He comes back into a preseason game. I'm like wow. So I-, I don't need him off this team. I don't need McCoy off this team. I don't need Yeldon off this team. But to me. It would suit the Bills best to maximize on their situation and just get rid of one of them for something. I don't need to cut one, but if you could trade one, I would hope the Bills wouldn't say no to it, especially if it's something significant. If Houston came calling with a third or fourth-round pick, I don't care which one it is. I think you would do it. I would hope that they would do it, because I think they should feel comfortable with their other backs if they were to do it. 803-0550 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll take a timeout here. Any thoughts on that before we get to Greg Cosell? Get him in now, and we'll uh, we'll get your calls after the break. So the Nightcap with Jody Biassi here on All right. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Jody DiBiase here on WGR. We're going to hear from Bills quarterback Josh Allen as well as Greg Cosell, a little bit of each, before we get out of here tonight. Talking Bills wide receivers, the running back position, potential trade with the Houston Texans if I've been kinda of laying out here. And uh also Andrew Luck. If you got any thoughts on him and the fact that the fans booed in the first place, let me know what you think. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. Let's go to Chris in West Seneca. Chris, what's up man? You're on the nightcap.
0: Hey how you doing Joe? Good, how are you? Uh good, real quick. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about this running back thing. You you can't Carry five running backs. I mean, I guess you could, obviously, but
2: they. Did, what's funny is Sal brought this up earlier on the afternoon show. They did do it two years ago, but it didn't last very long because they cut. I think Joe Banyard he said, and they cut somebody else pretty quickly. So they have done it, but they haven't really kept it up very, uh, very much through the
1: season. At no, least. No,
0: I mean it's just you're not dressing five on game day, and you're right. doing single Terry an injustice by sitting them and making them inactive on game day. So that being said, I, I think you have other positional needs. The Duke, Duke Williams-Zay Jones thing to me is, is super fascinating because I, I I personally don't like Zay Jones. I don't... He, he didn't drop a single ball in college. I mean, he was noted for having awesome, awesome hands. This guy just seems to not make the big catch when you need a catch. And But Duke Williams is a big body and that's who you go to in the red zone. But I, I just... I don't know. To, to me, Duke Williams doesn't seem like a real polished route runner and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm kind of torn. But I, I, if I had to pick, you put a gun to my head, I, I would take Duke Williams over Zay Jones just because of the body and the physicality. But, um, and then just real quickly, that the trade with with, with Houston, I, I would do whatever it took to to get Jadavian Clowney, however it works. Um, you know, him on one end and, and Jerry Hughes on the other. I, I, you know, this is a very very good defense as it is. You put him on this defensive line, and you're talking one of the best front sevens, I think, for. A long time. So that's it. I'll take your comments out
2: there. Yeah, Chris, thanks for your call, man. I think w- what's interesting is when we get to uh, when we get to Greg Sell. you're going to hear him have some worries about what Ed Oliver's looked like in the preseason. I'm a little worried about that too. That's not the reason I would do this, but I, I just don't think the Bills are so good on the defensive line that it seems like a lot of people want to give them credit for that you wouldn't make a move like this. Like I think they need a guy like Jadavian Clowney. You don't know Oliver's going to show up and be elite right away. Like, everyone kind of wants to make him out to be. He might have some growing pains. He's got a lot of deficiencies that players of his draft status don't have coming into the league. I'm not saying he can't get through them, but he might have some growing pains. And I don't really like Starla that much. He's a very one-dimensional, run-plugging defensive tackle. And the only other guy I can really count on, play in and play out, is Jerry Hughes. Clowny. Becomes your best run defender and your best pass rusher immediately. He was the second best run defensive or run, def- uh, he was the second best defensive end at rush defense last year in the NFL via PFF, and he was an above average pass rusher. Is he an amazing pass rusher? No, he's kind of what I think you would have wanted Shaq Lawson to become. Like when Shaq Lawson came to the league, he was not a polished pass rusher. You would have hoped he could become above average at it and become a dominant run defender at the position because you would have thought he could do that too. He's been very good at that. He would be Clowney is just a souped up Shaq Lawson. He's a great run defender, but he has pass rushing ability. He has explosiveness. He's able to bull rush and I think that I think that really he's a guy they don't really uh, he's a guy they don't have right now. All right, let's take uh, let's take a few minutes here. Let's hear from the Bills quarterback because I want to get back into the Andrew Luck stuff a little bit. Josh Allen some stuff to say about that, as well as the uh, the running back and receiver position that he saw from on uh, on Friday night. Here is the Bills quarterback with the media.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours